Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SCN NBA podcast, the mid-finals edition of the podcast. As we're recording today, we're three games in. And unfortunately, it probably isn't as competitive or entertaining as we'd hoped. I mean, prior to the series, I had Golden State in six. Chris, my co-host, had Cleveland in seven. Neither of those look anywhere near the mark at the moment. But Chris is not with me today. I'm in the studio. But joining me is another Chris. Is Chris Tyler, of course. We started the podcast together. He's now based in New York. He's at the Yankees game as we speak and he's been kind enough to join us here on the SCN NBA podcast. Chris, how are you? Oh, very well, Lukey. How are you, my friend? All good. It's good to hear your voice again back on the podcast. Now, oh, before, it's been a long time. It's been a, we've tried a few times to get you on, and it, we just, it hasn't worked out. I mean, I, I know it's, before we get started talking about the finals, and we'll speak about Game 3 yesterday because that was probably the only game worth speaking about so far, but before we do that, what what are you doing for some people they don't know you're in America now you're at the Yankees game as we speak you were at I am you were at game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in Boston so talk us through that for a little bit and just let the people know what's been going on. So I'm kind of just doing bits and pieces over here at the moment. So I'm covering uh, the Yankees games for the SCN website to make sure you set uh, all my wraps for every game that I go to on the SCN.com.au website, but. The uh, the Celtics and um, and Cavs series, Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals. That wasn't anything to do with media. That wasn't media related. That was completely me just being a fan and thinking I'm only four hours away from uh, from Boston. Yeah, I've got nothing on tomorrow. So the day before the game, I legitimately hopped online, checked out some tickets. So they were about two hundred bucks American. Thought I don't even care. When else am I going to have the chance watching LeBron? And you obviously want to play. This is the thing. I was going to see him a whole bunch during the regular season, but you never really know whether he's going to play or not. Yeah. He's resting. So I thought, at least I know he's going to be playing because it's game one of the series. It's going to be in Boston, so I get to go to TD Garden during the yeah. playoffs. Playoff LeBron. And I get to watch LeBron, and I get to watch Steph, and I get, so I get to watch LeBron, and I get to watch Kyrie, and I get to watch Kevin Love. I get to watch all these guys. So I thought, why wouldn't I do it? This would be stupid for me to do it. So I bought tickets the day before. Got on the uh, the bus the afternoon of the game, came back to New York the night of the game, and arrived back in New York at 5 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> so it was pretty much a 24-hour day, more or less. Give or take a couple of hours on either side. But it was worth it because you saw a hell of a game. I mean, oh, maybe not in, in terms of the, the margin of the game, but not in terms Boston, of... But for LeBron, definitely. But for seeing a LeBron James game dominate in Boston at the TD Garden in, in a playoffs it was everything you could have asked for and more. Exactly. So I'm a Celtics fan. So obviously I was hoping that the uh, Boston Celtics would win. But the next best thing, and I said this even before the game, was to watch LeBron go off. And that's exactly what he did. 38 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists in that game. So you and I messaged you and Chris as yeah. soon as I got to the game. <laughs> took a couple of photos, took a couple of videos, sent it off to you. And uh, at a half time when it didn't really look like it was going to be much of a game, 
your both said him your condolences about how the stuff <laughs> were looking trash and it wasn't going to be a good game. But in the end, I think we got it back to 12 or 13 I points think it or was something like that. 13 so it was points. In the, end. It was, the final margin was yeah, 13 points, was, I think, yeah. I was... I was respectable in the end, and LeBron had a fantastic game. So I have uh, I have no issues with uh, what went on in that game. I'm wrapped. And as you shouldn't, because like I said, you saw something that we haven't really seen a lot in the playoffs, and that's at least a game you can leave with a memory. Oh, um, these playoffs exactly. have, haven't been... It's a nice segue into this NBA final series we have at the moment, which is 3-0 uh, and almost destined for a sweep, unfortunately. I mean, there's so much to unpack in this final series. I mean, we'll start... Let's just start with general. Your thoughts on the series so far. Obviously, we all know it's 3-0. Game 3 was yesterday. We finally had a close game. Game 1 and 2 were an absolute whitewash down in the Bay Area. So, what have been your general thought? When someone, If I were to ask you right now, what have you thought of the NBA Finals in 2017, what would you say? I think just like everyone else, I'd say they've been terrible. They've been not competitive. You've got the Cleveland Cavaliers plowing through the East, and you've got the uh, the Warriors playing through the West, so it hasn't been uh, competitive on either side, apart from probably the opening weekend of the playoffs, when there was four to five games going every day. That was fun. There was a couple of good matchups early on in the uh, first round, but ever since then, it hasn't really been uh, much of a sight to watch. But I think last night's game, despite the fact that the Cavs didn't lose, that was kind of the game that I think we needed to kind of get us back into loving basketball a little bit. Because last night's game, despite the fact that Cleveland dropped the unlosable game, yeah. it was actually a really fun game to watch. It was probably the best game that uh, we've seen in a couple of weeks. Maybe you could say the uh, Boston-Cleveland game three might have been up there, but that was a high-quality basketball game from both sides throughout the entire game. And in the end, the Cavs just ran out of steam. And, and, uh, and Golden State just showed that they are, <laughs> you know, they're, they're the better team regardless of how well the Cavs play. And, I think now that you're seeing the uh, the Warriors with a three nothing lead, the series is pretty much over. But not only that, I think it's going to be a sweep now. And unfortunately for me, that means that I've probably seen the last game of the season because, unfortunately, I'm heading to Jersey tomorrow, so I will be on the train during the game. So, well, unfortunately, I think that's uh, it for my NBA watching for uh, for this season. <laughs> well, that, it's a sad time whenever the season ends. But I think in a way, you're, we needed game three because at least when we look back at these finals, we can say, hey, at least we had that one game in Cleveland where this series did live up to the to the mantle of... It's- Which is ridiculous, isn't it? Because last year we were spoiled. We had the seven-game series. Yeah. We went back and forth. We had phenomenal performances by Kyrie and LeBron in game six and seven. There were plenty of talking points about the series. We just got spoiled. And then to back that up with this, it's just... It was kind of an empty feeling a little bit. It's kind of when you get in the shower and then you're waiting for the hot water to come on and it never does. You're left feeling unsatisfied. That's kind of what I felt with the whole time. I was waiting for the hot water to come on and it was kind of getting there last night. It got a little bit warm, but in the end, it, it, yeah. it didn't get hot. Like it was as hot as it's going to get. And I think game four is going to be lackluster to say the least. I don't think that the case is going to show anything now. I think even Nav can see that this uh, year is yeah. over. So unfortunately... We knew this was going to be happening for a while. The last 11 months, we knew that, um, that it was going to be Cavs and Warriors. We knew that the Warriors were going to easily win. So, unfortunately, there hasn't been anything else that's happened on top of that. There's, like, the Warriors have just kind of cruised through. They've had no adversity, which is kind of another reason why I haven't really enjoyed the run of this series. Because from a pure basketball perspective, we should all be enjoying watching 
the Golden State Warriors. Historically, they're probably the best team we've ever seen. If they win either in Game 4 or 5, it's going to be the best run in an NBA playoff series of all time. But for some reason, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I'm just I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing. I think a lot of it does come down to the fact that there hasn't really been much adversity. There hasn't been anything to say, maybe will they, won't they. The entire season, they've shown that they are the best team. And for the last 11 months, they have been that, and they're going to prove that they are the best by far. Yeah. And I don't know if that's good or bad for the NBA, because although we are seeing history, which a lot of people love seeing, including me, like I loved last year when they were in 73 games, I love that. But for some reason, this just feels different. It doesn't make me, it doesn't make me happy. Yeah. I don't know why. I think... It's really strange. I think in what, in 10, 20 years' time, whatever, when we do look back at this team, let's say they're going to sweep because that's what it looks like they're going to do. They'll obviously be they'll 16 and 0 in the playoffs. I think when we look back at that in history, we'll say, wow, remember that team? They were 16 and 0. That's never, been, that's never happened again. That's when we will probably appreciate it a bit more when we can almost look back on it. But right at the moment, at the present time, you do get that feeling of just. Because it's been so inevitable. And because literally from the start, not even from the start of the playoffs, from the start of the season, you knew. Everyone knew. You thought, oh, you know, the Clippers started off really good. You thought, maybe the Clippers can challenge them. And then the Spurs had a winning streak. You said, maybe the Spurs can challenge them. But deep down, you knew it wasn't going to happen. It was a pipe dream the whole time that someone could even get close to them. I mean, those conference finals weren't even close. The two series prior to that weren't even close. Even the finals haven't been close. And I think for me, the one stat that I look at is there's been 77 games in these playoffs so far. And of those 77, only 10 of them have been decided by single digits. So you've had 67 out of 77 playoff games. So the best teams in the league going up against each other. And only 67 of them have, and 67 of them have been double-digit final margins, 20 of which, of which have been 20-plus points. So, like, it's literally, there's been nothing, no competitiveness. It kind of makes you wonder, would you have, obviously, coming into the finals, we wanted it to be Cleveland and Warriors because we thought that Cleveland would give them a run for their money. I heard you saying in the intro there, you both thought it was going to go six or seven games, even the Cavs way. I thought it was probably going to be Warriors in seven if you asked me at the start of the series. Yeah. But now we just see that the Warriors are so much better than the Cavs. Imagine if the Cavs weren't as good as they were. Then maybe we would have got a better Eastern Conference series. But then this would have been even more of a blowout. Would we have wanted that even more than what we're getting now? Like, would we have wanted... Everyone's saying that how it's a good thing that we have Cleveland being as good as they were because they can at least push the Warriors a little bit more than anyone else. But yeah. the fact that they're still so far away from the uh, from the Warriors and they're so much better than everyone else in the East, I don't know if that's good for the NBA. Well, then, well, that opens up a whole new question. Is if is this entire the entire landscape of the league at the moment, is it good for the NBA when you've got such a gap between the best team and the second best team? Like, there's a massive drop-off and between... And then the third best team again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, is and, and then the rest. I mean, we don't even need to get into how much of a drop-off there is with the rest of the competition. I mean, is it good for the league? I mean, we say... I mean, if you were to just tell someone those raw numbers about how uncompetitive it would have been, people would have said, well, no one must be watching it. Like, that must be so boring. But then you have a look at the stats through two games. I'm not sure how Game 3 affected the numbers, but I can't imagine it would have affected them negatively. Through Games 1 and 2, it was the most-watched final series since 1998. So, like, 
The yeah. NBA would look at that and say, well, look, I mean, the ratings are high, which means the revenue is going to be high. And I think it comes down to when you look at this, I mean, the diehard fans are going to watch no matter what. No matter, like, we're going to watch the final exactly. series no matter who's playing. It's when you're marketing to the casual fans and the, the fans who aren't going to watch it as much, you can mark, you can put LeBron and, and Durant on a poster and say, look at this. It's a battle of superstars. People are going to watch that. It's a lot harder to put, for example, Isaiah Thomas and Kawhi Leonard on a poster and say, hey, watch this. To the casual fan, they're going to be like, well, these aren't the best players. It's not going to be great. Now, would that be a better basketball series? Yeah, probably. But is it going to draw in the same amount of external attention and excitement and, and viewership? Probably not. So if you're the NBA, you're looking at it, you say, yes, is this great for the league that it's been this uncompetitive? Probably not from a basketball sense. From a business sense, I mean, the results speak for themselves. Uh, so let me let me ask you this. Obviously, the last three years, we've got a Cavaliers and Warriors final. What if it's the same case? Uh, let's even take out Cleveland. Let's say it's the Warriors in their seventh or eighth straight NBA finals. Yep. And they, they just demolish every team it, every single year for the next four or five years. Are people still going to stick around and watch the game? Is it just now because it's the novelty of getting KD on the Warriors for the first time, everyone's kind of curious to see what happened there, and there is so much star power in this game, but then does that kind of lose effect a little bit later on the novelty wear off in a couple of years' time? Is, that, is, it, is it something sustainable for, for viewership in the NBA? You'd think it, it's going to have to wear off eventually. I mean, and this is the massive problem, isn't it? There's really no, at, as we stand right now, there's no way of stopping this. Who's challenging the Warriors in the next five years? I mean, obviously, we're going to have draft and free agency, so teams can change within a day. But right now, we're lo- I'm looking at this, and I think, you know what? There's really no reason why we're not going to have the same final series next year. Like, there's apps. I mean, yes, Boston have the number one pick, so maybe their team will they trade it. Will they get a free agent? Who knows? But right now, there's, there's no reason why it's not going to be the same thing. And if the teams are the same, there's no reason the result's going to be any different because... With time, we know these super teams just get better and better. Golden State did have growing pains this earlier this year. As minimal as they were, they were there. But now that they're clicking on all cylinders, they can just hurt you in so many different ways, and they cause chaos for the opposition. Like, you see a few times defensively where Cleveland, you almost feel like, hey, they're defending this play pretty well. They've shut down the initial option. They've shut down the second option. And then all of a sudden, the end result could still potentially be Clay Thompson open in the corner for free. And you think, well, that's a great shot. But then you watch the side of the play and you think, well, look at that. They still they shut down the first two options. The third option is just as good as any other team's first option, if that makes sense. The, you, yep. There's so many avenues for this team to hurt you. And you just, you're watching it. I felt yesterday, game three was the first time in the second half I thought Cleveland has momentum. They've got tangible momentum in this game where, hey, they've got this. They had Golden State on the ropes, but they had these minimal, small mistakes. You know, in the context of the game, they were small mistakes. But the thing is, Golden State just make you pay so much so often where the end result, you think, wow, you look at those mistakes and you think, when they happen, we thought they weren't much. They all add up because Golden State just make you pay. You have to play... I think LeBron said a post-game. You have to play an A++ game against them to win. 
Cleveland probably played an A++ in Game 3, and they still lost. So... Exactly, because not only do you need to play an A++++ game or whatever it is, yeah. but you also need them to be off their game. That's, that's, that's the issue. Yeah, and, and they are seldom off their game because of the fact that they do have so many options. So if KD's off the night, then you still got Steph hitting. And if Steph and KD are off the night, then you've got Clay Thompson hitting. So, you know, it's, it's very rare that all, all three, even Chuck and Draymond Green there, it's very rare that all four of those guys, as well as their bench guys, are going to be off all on the same night. And even if two of those guys are getting out of the four, then that's still better than you know, Cavs playing an A++ game. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, let's chat about that a little bit. So you just mentioned there, if, if, if KD's off, well, then Steph's on and vice versa. You've got Clay, you've got Draymond there as well. With Cleveland, if LeBron hasn't been on the court, the Cavs might as well not even rock up. I mean, this, uh, this gulf between LeBron being on and off the court has been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the, throughout the series... The Cavs have a net rating, so that's offensive rating and defensive rating. Their net rating has been negative 45.4, which is you can't even speak to how bad that number is. That was underlined in game, in game three where he played 46 minutes and they were plus seven in those minutes. You know, they had the lead. In the 100... What, what, did, he, what did he go up? What, what, what did he even spend any time off, off, off the court in the first place? This is a guy who's been resting throughout the season. He's resting so he can be fit for the playoffs. And I know that he probably did need rest at some stage. This is game three of the NBA Finals. Your team is two nothing down in the series. You're their best player by far. You're the best player in the world. Why should you spend even two minutes on the bench? I don't know who's to blame, whether he has to come out or whether it was Ty Lue thinking that he needed to give him a rest. I need to blame someone. I want to blame Ty Lue because <laughs> I don't want to blame LeBron. So Ty Lue lost the game for Cleveland in the third because he was out for two minutes. They were, and that's uh, when they lost because he was plus seven and then they lost. What did they lose by in the end? Five? They were negative 12 in two minutes that he was off. Negative 12 it's, it's, it's in two... It's ridiculous. It defies logic how you why, can... Why did he spend time off? <laughs> I mean, you look back and you know, it's a fair question. And like you said, you talked about Ty Lue. Does that fall on Ty Lue? Does he have to um, use his timeouts to get LeBron rest as opposed to taking him off? Does he have to say to him, hey... You're playing 48 minutes. Different. But we know, like, I understand that LeBron has had a lot, like this is the last six NBA finals, so obviously he's going to be fucked. But this is why he rests throughout the season. This is why he takes off so many games. I've never once taken issue with the fact that he takes off these games because it's such a grueling season. And for someone like that who has played as much basketball as he has in the past six years plus, he needs to get his rest. But yeah. this is why you get your rest early on the season, so you don't have to rest when it matters the most in Game Three when your team is two nothing down. Do not go off for even two minutes because when you do, if that happens and you lose, you go three nothing down, and then you get swept, and then you stop getting compared to Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Two yeah. minutes is a slippery slope, Luke. And it, and it is because of the opposition. Like we said, the smallest things against Golden State get get maximized because they just punish you in so much. And you say, how much has it fallen on LeBron not playing 48 minutes? Yes. How much has it also fallen on his supporting cast? I mean, we'll keep Kyrie oh. out of it. Kyrie was, was sensational in Game 3, not so much and in the, the first so, two games. Love, Love had a bad game in Game 3, but I'm also going to give him a pass for this year because he has been playing okay. He's been playing yeah. all right. First two games played well. I want to keep, I'm not going to focus on him too much. Obviously, he could play better, especially for the money that he's commanding and his defensive efforts isn't yeah. anywhere near what it should be, but... It's been better than it has... It's been better than it 
Love's defensive has been better than it has been in the first two years of this finals matchup. But this, I mean, he's been Don't better. But he's he's limited physically. He's not quick. He hasn't got quick feet. He doesn't move laterally. He's not a quick, intelligent, defensive thinker. So that's always going to be underlined against this team. But, I mean, the rest of his supporting cast, I mean, I know you wanted to speak about it. I'll throw some names out there. Tristan oh. Thompson, Kyle Korver, um, Richard Jefferson. Iman Shumpert, I feel, has been okay. He's had some dumb moments. But on the whole, I think his defensive effort has been okay. Game three was terrible. Yeah, I think his series as a whole has been terrible. You're, you're a... You're a lot more about Iman Stumper than I am, clearly. I thought he's been trash as well. Darian Williams is another one that yeah. has been playing very well. J.R. Smith had his first game that he was actually half decent uh, in the first in the, in, the, in the series so far. It was a good game, let's be honest, but probably not getting as much out of him throughout the series as we would have liked. But I just want to start off firstly, out of all those guys that we mentioned, Tristan Thompson, yeah. game three stats, zero points, three rebounds, one field goal attempt, got in the way of teammates about four different times in the space yeah. of the entire game. This was all in 23 minutes. Yeah. For a guy that you're paying $15 million a year this year, and you've got another $60 million to pay him over the next three years, you cannot have that sort of output. In the series as a whole, in 66 minutes, he's had eight points and 11 rebounds in 66 minutes. Yeah. That is, he's nowhere near what he wants. You can't play him in this lineup. That's the problem. You're paying someone $15 million, $60 million over the next three years, you're yeah. paying someone that much money who can't play in the lineup against the teams you're building your team to beat. Yeah, and the the one that comes down to me with Tristan is it's simply the lack of rebounding has been shocking. Like, I mean, eleven rebounds in three games. Yeah, I mean, we let's credit Golden State a little bit. They have been boxing him out really, really well. But if there's anything we've seen with, with, with Thompson over his career is. He beats two or three guys boxing him out because of his 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 hustle and, and but he's not getting, he's also getting out rebounded by Steph Curry and he's getting out rebounded by Kyrie Irving. There was one was at least one play where it was a period of about five minutes where Kyrie was just kind of ballistic and the rebound was coming straight to play to, uh, to, uh, to Tristan Thompson. Yeah, and Kyrie just out rebounded him. Kyrie Irving, what's he six one? Yeah, is it? There's no explanation. It's me- effort. You don't yeah. make any effort. Rebounding's always an effort thing for mine. I mean, it's pretty obvious when when players when players have their mindset and they put their um, attention to rebounding, they grab more than they probably should. Tristan, for whatever reason, just hasn't been there. I mean, he's been guarding a lot on the perimeter on defense. Golden State have been putting him in a lot of pick and rolls. He's had to switch. That gets him out of the um out out of the rebounding area, but. These are things that haven't impacted him in the last two, three regular seasons. And for whatever reason, it's having an impact on him now. And it's getting to the point where he's almost unplayable. I think Ty Lue had him on for a couple of possessions in those final two minutes, which we'll speak about in game three yesterday. And I'm like, why, why is he out there? Because he provides obviously nothing on the offensive end. He doesn't space the floor. He's not going to score. He hasn't been grabbing the offensive rebounds, which is another area in this series where coming in, for Cleveland, we're looking for these minor um, areas where they can better Golden State. One of them was offensive rebounding. That was an area where I said, hey, yeah. Cleveland is a better offensive re- rebounding team than Golden State, but the Warriors have been better than them on the offensive rebound. So they're even beating them at their own strengths. But Tristan's you, you a massive what, reason for also that. Also better than the Golden State Warriors about throughout the regular season? Yep. 
shooting threes. Yeah, they never. shot more and they hit a better clip throughout the season of shooting threes. They were the what best. Happened? If you look through the, they were they were the, they were the best three point shooting team in the entire league. Then I come into the playoffs in the playoffs, okay, and then the I get p- to the finals. That's so much worse. Twenty nine percent, I think they've been Cleveland. Twenty nine percent. They're shooting from three point range. I mean, well, if, if you have a if you have a look at the guys that they brought in to shoot the threes, they're bringing these guys. This is this, this is their job. Someone like Cole Corver, who's hit three from twelve this year, yep. he's hit two from three in twenty four minutes, which it's a good point, but you still want him shooting more than three three pointers in the space of twenty four minutes. But three from twelve from yep. three point and, land in yep. sixty seven minutes of this series. And the one he missed, we all know how big it was in the last moments there. Oh, it was almost, open. yeah, pretty much why it was a good pass from LeBron. I mean, I did see some people on Twitter, you do get the, the standard, why did LeBron pass it? I mean, he was passing it to one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. He was practically wide That's open. That's why they brought in Cole Corver. That was yeah. exactly why they brought him yeah. in. you got to make that shot. Um, Richard Jefferson has just been an absolute disaster the entire series. He's been what? Yeah, one for six from three point. One for it was six. zero from two last night. One for six this year in forty-four minutes. Yeah, the guy who normally shoots thirty-three percent on the season is one from six. Yeah, forty-four minutes. Darren Shumpert, Shump- one from seven from fifty-one minutes. Yeah, Darren Williams, what? Normally thirty-six percent. Darren Williams, all these guys, and it's just it's, I, I don't know what's been happening, but all of them are gone cold at the same time. What have thought? Cole Corbett, out of all of them, is one that surprised me the most because he's the guy they could really count on throughout the regular season and who Atlanta could count on for the last, whatever, five, six years of his career. This yeah. is a guy who hit one three-pointer for, however, what was his streak? I can't even remember how many games it was, but he held the yeah. record for the longest amount of games with the three-pointer hit. And he's three from 12 in the past three games. And the crazy thing is, a lot of the a lot of these looks have been good looks. Like, they're getting shots exactly. that are... In not wide, wide open, but you look within the flow of the game, they're not defended tightly, and they're just missing. I mean, how many times have we said it's a make or miss league? It's a saying that exactly. that comes out once every two weeks when you're talking to someone in the NBA. Just by the length of the of the Warriors, is that what it is? Because I guess if you see someone like Kevin Durant coming towards you with that freakish wingspan, or someone like Ugadawa, or even Clay Thompson uh, to an extent, they just get Brute? Does that kind of throw off the rhythm a bit? Are they not confident to shoot over these guys? The Golden State have this... In, I almost feel like they have this intimidation factor where for the last two seasons, Golden State have just struck fear in 28 other teams. But the one team they haven't been able to do it to has been Cleveland. I feel like now they're doing it to, to Cleveland. They're, it's almost like... As soon as the Warriors get a little bit of ascendancy, the Cavs just go into their shells. I mean, they turn to an absolute shambles. The last two years, that hasn't happened. Is it simply the, the KD factor? Has KD made such an impact where Cleveland, have, they've almost surrendered. They've said, we can't beat this team anymore because they're so much better than what they have been in the last two seasons where we've come, where we have beaten them. And then we've come close to, I feel like, and look, Durant's been awesome. Curry's been awesome. But it's just, it's strange to see Cleveland have almost just... It's hard to fathom a team with LeBron is A, 3-0 down in the finals. When we had 2007, but that was a completely different situation with the team that he had then. But it, to me, it's almost like... I, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, 
He's 3-0 down with a team that he won the title with last year. Um, I don't know. It, it's crazy. In 2007, he didn't have the team that he wanted. He wasn't yeah, let, with the GM. To, let's team, forget 2007. Now. And this yeah. is the team that he built. This is the team that he wanted, and he's still 3 nothing down. It's a team built to beat Golden State. That I mean, that that's exactly, it. But it's built incorrectly to build Golden State. Well, yeah, and I think one of the main reasons is this team is, and we're seeing it now, this team is slow. Slow and old. Yeah. And Golden State, they're the best transition team I've ever seen. Like, they are deadly. There was a few times yesterday when they were running in transition. They were in a three-on-one. Now, if you're in a three-on-one, you're getting a layup or a dunk every time. And they have Curry pulling up for free, and it's a good shot. It's, it's incredible. They're the best transition team I've ever seen. Cleveland just get burnt out. I was, the game yesterday, the first quarter or two, you know, the game was tight. But in my head, I'm like... This game is still a bit too fast. Cleveland are going to burn out because while it wasn't as fast as games one or two, it was still a little bit a little bit too quick for my liking. And I know this is a question that you wanted to, to pose. Is the, the Cavs playing slow? I feel like they have to play slow because you can't match fire with fire with Golden State. They're too good. I mean, I think, what do you reckon? Is Cleveland, do they have to make it an absolute grind of a game? Or do you try and match it fire with fire and do you just say, well, hey... What, 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 do you think, what do you think slowing down the game would solve it? Because obviously, most people who have watched, most of people who have watched the first three games have, like you said, that the Cavaliers need to play it slow because they're playing the end of Warriors. What, 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 what is that supposed to accomplish? Well, I think it just... I think it's accomplished because it's proven. They did it last year where there were times where they slow it down. It it allows your team to dictate the flow. It allows LeBron and, and Kyrie to control the game and get it played on their terms. I think when you... I, I saw... Oh, I forgot. Someone said this on Twitter, and I would credit him if I remember who it was, but it was during the season they said, when you play Golden State, you're almost 6-0 down from the tip. Like As soon as the game starts... You're you're down because that's how devastating they are. On that, um... I, don't, I don't think playing slow would make much of a difference. I think Golden State are just too good that they would they wouldn't care about how fast you're playing. They're just going to play their own play. They're going to play fast, and they're always going to score the amount that they are. So if the Cleveland Cavaliers for the entire season are built to play fast, as I've said, they don't want to change the way that they play because this is how they're built. And they're a fast-paced team. Why would they change who they are? I know it's not working, so you probably have to do something. I understand that. But if that's their game style, and that, that's how they're most comfortable playing, but I don't understand why they have to slow it down. Because regardless if they slow it down or not, Golden State is still going to score more than you. So you may as well play how you want to play, score as much as you possibly can. Because on de- the, 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 the issue is on defense. Yeah, well, and they can't defend. And they can't dictate the pace on, on defense. Well, maybe that's that... Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors never going to play slow. Maybe that's it. maybe that's the intimidation factor that, that I mentioned. Maybe it's Cleveland is they're trying to match Golden State when you want well, when the opposition is trying to match you. You know you're controlling the game, so maybe maybe Golden State no. Maybe Golden. I would if I was Golden State, I would want Cleveland to play fast because I'm thinking beautiful. They're gonna run. They they can't run with us. If they run, we're controlling the game. So. Oh, I just feel like playing... I think the problem for Cleveland isn't about 
playing slow, playing fast. It's about taking the right shots. And a lot of time, they just weren't taking the right shots. And a number of times, it didn't even... But this, this is what I got really upset with last night. I happened in the last minute. It happened, I think, going into the half-time break or perhaps the quarter-time break. They can't... They, they, they have no clock management skills. Yeah. There's a couple of times where they could have held off... I think, uh, who was in, in the first half? I think it was, was Shump. It had a... Was it Shumpet? Yeah, like Shumpet took a horrible shot. It was a shot when he could have held on to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think end, Kyrie could have gone to two on one in an ice and then shot with I think twenty eight seconds left in the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean, let's speak about that. Let's speak about those last two minutes yesterday in game three. I mean, you speak about Cleveland losing an unlosable situation. They had the yeah. they had so many chances to lock it away and they just they just didn't. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just as simple as one team doing it, the other team not, and it just, oh. You think back, I think, for me, the defining moment of this series will be, I mean, we all know it hasn't been that competitive, but when I look back at it, I'm going to think, man, those last two minutes of game yep. three, Cleveland could have won, then all of a sudden it's a 2-1 series, you snatch game four, hey, it's 2-2, we've got a series on our hands, we've got at least six games. I'm going to look back at that two minutes and say that change as soon. I reckon it's going to be a blowout in game four. I reckon every I think I'm with you. Every ounce of hope that the Cavaliers had is now vanished, and it was on those last two minutes. It was just well, horrible. First, the, the last quarter as a whole wasn't particularly good. They no. went from shooting 32, 29, and 33 points in the first three quarters to 19 in the fourth quarter. They were 0 from 8 from the field. In the final 165 seconds of the game. Yeah, it's just, it's. Ugh. It's not even three minutes. They're over mate. It's horrible. And like like some of those were good shots, some of those were bad shots. We know with Kyrie, I think there was two possessions where Kyrie pretty much dribbled down the entire shot clock and then had a shot. But it Kyrie's a strange one where you have to almost as hard as it is to say because of the situation, you have to live with that because. We can't praise Kyrie for hitting these tough one-on-one shots no, when they I'm, go I'm in. Not, I'm not saying he shouldn't take the shot. I'm saying, I'm talking about clock management. I'm waiting yeah. until there's seconds before he takes the shot because then it no, yeah. comes out. Yeah, so then you only really have about 26 seconds. And obviously, Golden State will run down the clock and then you only have a, a, you know, a couple of seconds to, to, to run your offense at the end of the game. You have to take that shot earlier so you give yourself an opportunity for a two-for-one. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. 28 seconds, I think that's right, 28 seconds isn't enough time. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and I mean, we all saw what happened as a result of one of them, and that was the Duran pull-up, go-ahead, three-pointer, which... The dagger. You knew what was going... You knew it was going in. I mean, uh, we talk, I saw a few people talking about... I think Duran actually said a post-game, he said he almost saw LeBron um, backing up, and he was almost defending a bit too, a bit too deep. I always disagree with that. I've rewatched it a couple of times. I don't know what any type of defense could have done in that situation. Like, the guts and confidence and almost arrogance to pull up in that finals game in the last minute. You're down two. It's, what, 45-odd seconds left. You've got the ball. You've got all these offensive options. And you pull up for a free walking down the court. That takes yep. an enormous amount of self-belief. And in a weird way, you knew it was going to go in. You could just tell. And as soon as it did... Oh, the... It's a very fitting way of 
pretty much ending the series. I'm going to say the series has ended. That's a very fitting way of, of ending the series on a Warriors, <laughs> from, from a Warriors standpoint. Yeah, it was, it was, it, and it, it was fitting. It was Durant. It was the piece that they didn't have last year that ends this year's, uh, this year's finals. It was exactly. So, a, a lot of people are saying that if Durant wins, then you know it kind of makes it okay that he went to Golden State because he's been waiting so long for a ring and he finally moves over and he gets a ring. That so was the right decision. I know that. I think we all agreed on the fact, all three of us, me, you, and Chris, all agreed on the fact that we weren't comfortable with Durant moving over in the first place. Yeah. In your opinion, if he'd win, that validates his move, and do you think that does, does that make you feel more comfortable in the situation? Or are you still feeling a bit uh, a bit off about what he did? Oh, does it? I mean, for him, it validates it. For him, it says, "Hey, why did I move here? I moved here to win. You did it in your first year. You think, but, hey, are you, are you now saying, okay, cool, I understand now. Yeah, that's fine. I'm I'm comfortable with it. I'm, I'm at peace with him moving over. Or uh, are you even more angry at the fact that he moved over? Oh, it, it's so it's 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 a tough tough one to say. I've got it. I'll say that right now. I, I hated it when it first happened, and I hate it now. I, I just, I, I don't like that he's now become the linchpin for this team. It's, I think even, even Kerr said last night that this is his team, or maybe a couple of nights ago. I can't remember. It was after one of the games that yeah. Kerr referred to the team as the Rams team, and I hate that because I loved last year's Golden State team. I loved them going for seventy-three wins. I loved Steph playing as good as he has. They were fun. Okay, this come on, we haven't had that. Yeah, they were fun last year, but now Curry couldn't have had another Curry season. He couldn't repeat his efforts from the 2015-16 season this year with Durant in the lineup. He just couldn't do that. And all of a sudden, they went from a team that we could just have fun watching to a team where I'm legitimately... I, I hate watching him because yeah. I just can't get over the fact that Durant moved over there. I know I should get over it. And I, I understand that's what free agency is about, but it still sits very, very uncomfortably with me, and I hate it. So even if he wins, that's not going to make everything better in my book. It's going to make me more angry. I'm still... An advocate for free agency and for players having their own um, their own ability to move around, but I mean, I was speaking about this. What other... if we just change? Okay, I'm gonna, I want to throw an idea at you. Right? All right. I don't know if this will work or not. I just, yep. I just I just thought about this now. Go for it. I'm going to tell you one idea. You tell me if this works or not. What if we take away the max contracts in the NBA because we're seeing all these mid tier guys who command max contracts, someone like a Harrison Barnes or someone like I, I, I can't even think about who else, but all these. Mid-level guys, all these feed-grade guys who are commanding max-level money, and then you get these superstars commanding the max-level money. Yeah. And so, if there's a free agents like, you know, one of these big-grade guys, and then you know the Celtics choose to get them, and then Durant, who is commanding the same amount of money, goes to the Warriors, and you're thinking, why did both these players take the same amount off the salary cap? Why can't we take away the max contracts so that these superstars get paid more, which means they can't all fit on the same side. Yeah. And then you're not getting these other guys commanding as much because if someone's worth, you know, 25 mil and the max is 30, then they're going to say, I want the max. Yeah, no, exactly right. Extra five. Yeah. If the max isn't 30, then they're going to stick with 25 because there's no, there's like, yeah. there's no bargaining power there. You, can, you, you can't say that someone else is going to give you the max. You just take the 25. Yeah. And if you take away the max, the superstars get more and you won't see a team like the Warriors because they can't pay them all. Exactly right. It takes... It, it, it the max almost hamstrings the players' choices when they're moving around because there's only X amount of money they can get. You take away that max, and then all of a sudden, you, I think it would help. 
And uh, to that, I'll, I'll throw you another situation. It was something that um, myself and Brett Thomas from the SCN newsroom were speaking about just the other day. I was at SCN when Game 2 was on and we were watching it and we said, there has. do you maybe have to put, and this is just a, an, a, out, really from left field, this idea, but it was just something to fix this quote-unquote super team trend. If your team already has, I don't know, two or three max All-Stars or players who have been All-Stars in the last three or four years, Do you, does the NBA say, hey, you can't go and sign another All-Star? I don't know. Do you have to limit these I teams? don't like that. I don't like you don't because, like... Yeah. No, because that's not true free agency. It's not true. Free agency needs to... If you're going to do a properly, you have to make sure that the players can go wherever they want if it's mutually beneficial for both the team and the player. You can't put a restriction on where these players can go. But if you take away the max contract, then you can say, okay, you can go there if you want, but you can't have the amount of money that you can get someone else. You have yeah. to have half. If you yeah. want to join the Warriors and you're a max level player, you have to have half. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that way, if you take away the max contract, then, then it still lets players do whatever they want, but they just have to be more conscious about how much money they're making. Yeah, and exactly. And look, ignore my ignorance here because I'm not too sure and it's maybe something I should know, but the MLB, they don't have max contracts, I believe. And I could be wrong. They, they don't have a salary cap. They don't have... Yeah, there you go. And that's one no, league... You can pay a player however much you want. Yeah, and that's one league that... I mean, just from watching it uh, briefly, that is pretty open. I mean, I'm just going to pull up the standings now. Is, well, a lot of people say, like, obviously, you got the Yankees have a massive payroll, the Dodgers have a massive payroll, and all these teams have got to be perennial contenders. But you've seen the last couple of years, the Dodgers haven't done much. The Dodgers haven't won a World Series in forever, just about. And the Yankees have been terrible up until this year. They're actually playing really well this year. But you're seeing teams like the Indians... Yep. Make the World Series last year. And you see other teams, like the Astros this year are playing really well. They're one of the best teams in the majors. None of these teams have massive payrolls. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it kind of evens it out. And I'm not saying that the NBA should get rid of the salary cap. I, I think I like the salary cap. But I just yeah. think that you should restrict how much a player should get. If you want to give a player 50% of your entire salary cap, you should give the player 50% of your salary cap. No, you're exactly right. And like, just looking at the baseball standings now, so. The Astros have got 42 wins, most in the league. But then you look at other teams. You've got teams that are on 37, 38. Arizona's on 37. The Dodgers are on 30. It's close. Teams are close. NBA hasn't got that. NBA hasn't got, they haven't got a close league. We've spoken about it. There's too much of a, of a gap. So there's getting rid of Max Con- There's also the, the thing with baseball, because there are more players, and I think it's more of luck's not the right word, but there is a lot more that goes into a, a, a baseball game. Oh, the best look, team doesn't always win in yeah. baseball, whereas in basketball, the best team always wins. So <laughs> if there was no salary cap in the NBA, then you can get all these guys coming together. If you've got like four guys coming together, like you've seen on the Warriors, then they're going to win, whereas yeah. that's not necessarily the case in baseball. You can have four guys all come together, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be the best team in the majors. Very rarely is the best team in the majors the team that actually ends up winning the World Series, whereas in the NBA, the best team in the regular season quite regularly wins the championship. So yeah. I just don't think that we'd be ready to see an open uh, salary situation in the NBA because it is a lot easier to control winning yeah. in the in the NBA than it is in the baseball. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look into this a little bit more. And if anyone else can tell me why taking away the max contracts is a bad thing, let me know. But yeah. Absolutely. From, from what I've given the brief thought about it in the past 10 minutes, I yep. don't really understand why it wouldn't work. Yeah, and like, I mean, obviously the the baseball, basketball, it's not a perfect example, but it's something that 
you know, you just got to look at what other leagues are doing and say, hey, maybe we have to implement something along the like because, like we mentioned off the top, eventually this trend, if this continues, it's going to backfire because if the league's this... Oh, I'm not bad. The league's not bad. I mean... But if the league is this... Regular season's fine. <laughs> yeah, the regular season is fine, but there's... um, You can't be having this too much. So maybe you got to look at the max contracts, maybe you don't, but um, who knows. Hey, before we wrap up, let's just focus on Game 4 a little bit. What do we need from Game yeah. 4? I mean, I'm in a, I think it's going to be a Golden really? State blowout, but what what's going to happen? Well, what do we need? I, 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 I look. I, I agree with you. It's going to be a blowout, but I think we there's like a few things I'm looking for that we kind of need just to make us feel a bit more satisfied about the series, even if Golden State wins and ends up sweeping the Cavs. We just need to see something. One of them, I feel like everyone would feel a little bit better if Draymond Green just lost his mind, <laughs> someone, and then led to an all-out brawl. You know what I mean? Like if if we get a big fight, yeah, I think that that's kind of the next big thing. If you, if you can't get a close series. And if you get like a, a a big fight that kind of lasts thirty, forty, fifty seconds, <laughs> I feel like everyone will kind of remember this series fondly, and they can go back and say, "Oh, I remember that series when Draymond Green kicked so and so, and then that led to an all-out brawl." I think that'll be kind of fun. We need it would we be need fun. something like that, yeah. Right? Because especially if it's initiated by the guy who essentially lost it for the Warriors last year because he was suspended for you know. <laughs> Not being able to control him. I think that'd be that'd be kind of something that, that would have a, like a nice little icing on top of the cake. Yeah, number two. Yep, go for I, it. I feel like I feel like I'd, I'd I'd like it if if we could see a Warriors injury. Nothing too big. Yeah, like, uh, I don't like that injury for me. Any Curry or KD, let them face adversity and either win other adversity there, either win in a, in a sweep or in five or six or whatever. I personally, I know you, Dan, I know probably everyone else out there who's saying, "Oh, we don't want to see the best players get injured." I do. As long as I love LeBron, I like, I like LeBron, but I want to see Curry or KD get injured and Warriors face a little bit of adversity. I know they did in the regular season, but that's different. I'm talking about the playoffs. That's cool. I want to see All something right. like that happen. And I, know it's, I know it's terrible. I'm not saying like something, something small. I'm not saying something serious. Yeah. I know it's terrible rooting for an injury, but I've got to root for something, man. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible series. I need something to happen. I think a Warriors injury will help me feel a little bit better about the situation. Yeah, okay. Number three. You've got 60 seconds for the last two. Go. Okay, LeBron blocking the bejesus out of KD in crunch time to win the game. I feel like that would be good. Get some revenge because there's been a lot of talk over the past week about KD potentially being the best player in the world, which is ludicrous. So that would be yeah, you know, that'll be massive. And a buzzer beater, either way, regardless of, of who wins. If uh, Warriors can win through a buzzer beater, then that just gets you get a bit of euphoria. You can get excited about something. You get that release of energy. Whereas if yeah. you blow out there, it's just kind of a bit flat. If you can get a buzzer beater either way, That'd be fantastic. They're always fun buzzer beaters. Well, Christos, I appreciate you coming on as always. It's great to catch up. Great to hear your voice once again. Before you go quickly, where can we find you on Twitter if people want to keep in touch? You can find me at Christos Tyler and you can find all my work at scn.com.au. Also, do some stuff for ESPN Australia and New Zealand as well. So I've got a couple of articles coming up. But make sure you follow me on Twitter because that is where I'll be posting everything. And I also can't wait to talk to you next time because I want to know what you think the next steps for LeBron James because there's been a Beautiful. couple of rumours that he could be heading west in the next couple of years. So I want to hear what you have to say about that. Perfect. We'll touch on that next time. Of course, keep track on S- at SCN America on Twitter as well. I'm at Luke Sakari. And until next time when the series will probably be over and the season will be over, we'll catch you again on the SCN NBA podcast.